Hi, I'm Sonia Jean Killebrew, and this is Black America and COVID, an oral history project. I started this project during Black History Month of 2022 because I wanted to provide a platform for Black Americans to share their stories about living, working, and or going to school during the COVID-19 pandemic. I also wanted to provide a space for people to memorialize someone who is a Black American who sadly lost their life during the COVID-19 pandemic. I was inspired by the work of Zora Neale Hurston, author and anthropologist, to record the experiences of Black Americans in their own voices. My goal is to get my recordings into museums, such as the Smithsonian Museum of African American History and Culture, or the Schomburg, or the Library of Congress's Folklife Museum. I'll share a little bit about me and my family history, and then I'll speak to my guests. I'm a Black American. My dad was African American and Indigenous American. His ancestors were enslaved in Georgia. In fact, we still have our family's slave name, which is Killebrew. My dad, Dr. Terrence Killebrew, met my mom in graduate school at the New School in New York when they were both earning their master's degrees in psychology. And I'm a fourth generation teacher. So my mother is a retired New York City teacher. My grandmother was a teacher on the island of Jamaica for 20 years and then in New York for 20 years. My great-grandmother was a teacher in Jamaica up until she got married. She was the daughter of an Irish woman and a black man. She stopped working after she got married because it wasn't considered respectable for a married woman to continue working in the late 1800s. And ironically, my mother began teaching long after she got married in the late 1900s. So without further ado, I'm excited to speak with my guest today. My name is Virginia Winona Hunt. I'm from, well, originally Harvard, Massachusetts, and I currently live in Shanghai, China. Thank you, which is where we met in 2014. <laughs> and do you identify as Black or African American or Caribbean American? That's such a good question. I identify as all three. <laughs> oh, you do? What's your ancestry? Well, my family, my mother's side is Jamaican. So, and my father's side is from the South, North Carolina, Virginia, where I get my name. And um, yeah, so Southern, but of course, all back to Africa in some point. Yeah. A mixture of other countries. Yeah, so. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And I'm really excited to hear you share about what was it like living and working during the pandemic where you are now. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's an interesting time that you're we're talking, um, Sonia, because uh, because of the because of the the way China has, I guess, approached and treated the pandemic uh, for the citizens and the people living in this country. Um, I feel like 
I'm going through a reset, you know, in 2020, when, um, saw, uh, when COVID was first recognized in Wuhan, China, uh, there was a lot of panic, of course, in this country, because nobody, there was a lot, so much insecurity because people didn't understand much about the virus. So um, in 2020 of December, when we started hearing about this strange virus, um, a lot of places started to close down. And I remember in January, by that time, when, um, when the public transportation started to um, become a little bit more strict and closed down, like uh, um, buses and um, subways were requiring, yeah, they were, they were mm, suggesting that people don't ride them as often. Um, people became really afraid because we didn't know what was happening. And I remember going to one of the local park that I often like walk and sometimes jog around. And the um, person who are the men who are watch the park. So I guess you could say the, the guards of that area, they were saying, well, tomorrow will be closed. Mm. And lo and behold, that day in January, um, in at least in the section of Shanghai that I live in, in Pudong, a lot was closed down um, for, for a few months. And I remember uh, we would not want to physically touch anybody when we're walking down the street. We'd cross the street. We see somebody coming, coming down the street and cross the street and go to the other side because you didn't know how we would get, how you could get the virus. And we were taking a lot of precautions, wearing gloves, wearing masks, spraying the air with alcohol, taking all of our deliveries with gloves on, masks on, and then wiping them down before we brought them into our apartment. So these were like very regular, like, um, yeah, like protocol for not just Chinese, but not, but American and other nationalities alike. A lot of fear. And then, um, after um, we had uh, closures and um, COVID sta started to de decrease in China, um, things started to open back up in with, uh, the summertime. And um, it was like heaven had opened its gates because people were able to go back to school, um, People were working as normal, but work didn't really shut down some, um, that, that uh, starkly. Like people were still going to work, but just wearing masks. But um, yes, and um, so, but from June of 2020 until, what's this? This is the month of April until February, I guess, of 2022. China itself didn't really have, or mainland China pretty much operated normally. Like we wore masks often. And sometimes we did have some closures like pocket closures or pocket like um, shutdowns of schools or businesses because we hear of, heard of outbreaks in one community or another. Um, so how um, I had been living, I'd been living relatively normally between that time um, and, uh, but a lot had changed for other types of expats um, in Shanghai. You know, I, I don't know if you heard, but there was a CNN um, app reporting um, around 2020. Um, what month was it? 
I forget what month it was. Maybe it was um, uh, February of 2020, but there were some um, uh, African, Black people who were accosted and um, physically taken out of their apartment complexes. Yeah. Uh, and she heard about that in, in, in Guangdong, China, which has the majority of African people in China there most of them are in southern China because it's they do yeah because it's probably easier to get there but there's a lot of trade they do a lot of business in that region so there is a lot of discrimination and um, people were targeted uh, racism and people were targeted severely at that time and it wasn't until like actual videos showed the incidents that things started to change mm-hmm. um, so that was how some people had been affected. And as a, as a result of that, some people left. Like um, one of my, um, one of the teachers at my school, she was telling me, she's from Ghana. And she was telling me that a lot of her friends had ended up, they left China in 2020. So hmm. many Africans had just left the country. Some because they were actually home for holidays, but they weren't able to come back. Um, and others because they they just felt insecure in the country and not protected. So there was a big, uh, I guess you could say, uh, exiting of non-mainland um, Chinese people in 2020. And now you're seeing something similar happening in 2022. Um, but this time around, I just, I f- almost feel like we're going through the same cycle of COVID, but with much more, you know, there's, my, the, the lockdown here is much more severe. Like I'm, I personally have not been out of my apartment for over 30 days. So it's been much more um, strict. Um, um, and we as like a community have really had to do more to call on each other, to support each other's emotional well-being. So for COVID, I think, in, um, yeah, so it, we had this 2020 scare and now we have this 2022 lockdown, <laughs> in, at least in Shanghai. Um, so it's, it's yeah, it's, uh, we're learning more how to, learning, I think I'm learning more uh, about being um, internal, I guess, focusing more on my own like spiritual well being and doing more that, to support my own um, balance, my mental balance and um, entertain myself because now um, it's hard to you know invite people into your domain like I cannot inv- bring anybody into my my compound right now mm. so, yeah are you ordering food or is the government sending you food uh, good question so yeah the government is sending like uh, it sends government rations, I, I call it, mm-hmm. but I think it's every other week. And besides that, we, you know, you ha- you'll have to order your, you'll get food from the, if you have, if you can speak Chinese, it's, there's a big advantage because you can be part of um, community buying groups. Mm-hmm. It's harder when you're not able to speak the language. Um, so some of my, um, colleagues, um, some of my own teachers um, needed support getting into their own community uh, purchasing groups so they could buy necessities. So, yeah. That's wonderful. Do you Mm -hmm. order takeout from restaurants? Um, No, I cook. Well, right now at this time, it's 
it's hard to order takeout, at least in the section of Shanghai that I live in. Um, so you, you get your vegetables, your fresh fruits, vegetables, and fresh meats, and you just, and I just cook, yeah, cook on my own. Oh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it sounds similar. Um, well, in the States, you probably know in 2020, when we had the stay-at-home orders, we didn't yeah. know how long we would be home. And so it sounds similar there, like you don't know how long you'll be home. Right, right. We don't know how long we'll be in our our compound so that's creating part of the worry for some people some people are really thriving in it not that I mean some people are some people are homebodies and of themselves and I guess if you have a type of job that you don't have to be physically outside you don't have to you know move around apartments then you're you're secure because you can work from home but you know a lot of the um, workforce here is is blue collar it's manual you know, um, a lot of people also work in the service sector um, as like in restaurants or, you know, other types of services that they provide and, and require you to physically be with somebody else mm-hmm. in um, educational environments. So, um, yeah, so there some people are more secure, similar to in the States, and there are a lot who aren't as, who are feeling a little bit more stressed. Mm-hmm. and um are you working from home teaching online yeah so I'm I'm so grateful my own staff they're really I'm really proud of the resilience that they're showing in this time of adversity you know we're all working from home all members of my team are in their apartments um and where they're they're working well. I mean, you know, it's it's hard to work every day when you don't really see an end to it online. But they're putting their their positivity in. So I'm really grateful and really proud of, of what they're doing. And you know, we do a lot of check-ins. I do a lot of check-ins to make sure everybody's okay. So yes, I'm working from home. They're working from home, and the students are working from home. <laughs> everybody's working from home. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious I was teaching online and in the states they don't require students to keep their cameras on because they're big on like privacy is it similar where you are or students required to keep the cameras on or off yeah that's a good question um I don't that's a good question I'm so with our school we don't have a requirement, but children, they put on their cameras because they want to see each other. They're social beings. So if they're not able to physically see each other, the second best is to visually see each other. So they don't turn off their cameras. Um, and there was no, there was, originally we did not have a requirement either to, for or against, but they're eager and they light up when they see their friends on screen. So. Oh, I love that. Oh, and do they type in the chat or is there a lot of vocal speaking? Yeah, it's more so vocal. They do do some typing, but um, so my, my own school, it's elementary. So, you know, the children, for those who can type, they do. Then you also have the writing pad so they can write. And yeah, so, you know, you have to, we support different um, skill levels. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. 
Is there anything else that you'd like to share about your time? Um, my time. So just COVID, correct? Just COVID. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's been, um, you know, one of the, I, I talk to colleagues and friends often and as we are getting through this situation. And I think one of the um, ironies of COVID here in, I guess this pandemic here in Shanghai right now is mm, the government is, is very strict on their zero tolerance policy. So what that means for all of us is we don't necessarily have the freedom to physically be together right now. Um, however, and there's, and there's a lot of, and we're not, yeah, we don't have that freedom. But what you're finding is that even though the, like the government has its policies that people are respecting um, and um, they learn, they learning down the law pretty like heavily, people are respecting that. But what we're seeing is that in the, like the pockets of like a community, you see these acts of kindness that we didn't expect. Like, you know, I'm becoming, I'm connecting with neighbors that I didn't expect to, you know, I, um, because we're, people are trying to support each other during this time. So you, you see, you know, with all of the, the, the strongholds that are kind of keeping us apart, there are these, um, empathetic, generous acts of, of goodwill that are just keeping us hopeful, hopeful in each other, you know, hopeful for each other. So I'm appreciative. I'm really appreciative of that. And so that's what I'm experiencing in my own compound, even though we, people don't want to touch anyone else, teach, touch a stranger, but um, we'll share goods. Like, and one of my friend's compound, herself and her neighbors had bartered like she needed bread and, and her neighbor needed lettuce so they exchanged you know it's it's almost like bringing you back that back to like <laughs> you know hunting and gathering era you know and we're very basic but yeah we're learning how important it is how the, how important the basics are just having water having food in your house that's so much more important than than having you know a designer outfit <laughs> <laughs> oh I love that and you speak Mandarin right yeah yeah mm -hmm. that's wonderful oh thank you thank You're you welcome. for sharing your story with me I really appreciate your time and I know it's late where you are no worries that's my pleasure and yeah my honor I'm, I'm I wish you the best in creating this um yeah this work i wish you how many more i wish you yeah all the best and i hope that you have a lot more um i guess inspiring stories to to share thank you you know your story is inspiring because just learning a language living i don't know how many thousand miles you are from your home well wherever you are is your home but your home of origin um it's i'm just so inspired by you I'd love for us to all meet in person one day. I don't know if it'll be in DC or New York and we can all come together and, and talk. And I'd love for you to be there. It, it may not be for a year, who knows, but. Mm -hmm. Yeah, whenever I will support, whenever it happens. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for listening to my conversation on this episode of 
Black America and COVID, an oral history project. If you enjoyed the episode, then please give it five stars wherever you listen to podcasts. The more five stars the podcast has, the more visible it is, the more access I have to people who would like to share their story living, working, and or going to school during the COVID-19 pandemic. If you are a Black American and you would like to share your experience with me, then email me at soniakillaboo at gmail.com. The emails in the show notes of the podcast or direct message me through my Instagram account, Black America and COVID, all one word, all lowercase. If you are a non-Black American and you would like to memorialize the life of a Black American sadly lost during the COVID-19 pandemic, then email me as well. This episode was written, produced, and audio engineered by me, Sonia Jean Killebrew, podcast host and executive producer. Thanks for listening to my oral history project, Black America and COVID.